0: Hey, so welcome um, to our new series. We've been uh, in the middle of, really, I guess, called Spill the Tea," where we've been. Um, leaders have been coming up and just sharing uh, with y'all. Hey, here's here's what I know about. Here's what I know to be true about Jesus. Here's what I know to be true about life. Um, here's what I know uh, to be true about um, walking with Jesus. Even and so different leaders have come up and shared those things. and And tonight. Um, it's kind of a really a really special night. Uh, it's a cool night for y'all to be here, um, because uh, tonight one of my one of my good friends is speaking, um, and a guy I get to work with. Uh, this is Pastor Heath. If y'all give it up for him, yeah. So if you don't if you don't know this, maybe you don't come on on Sundays or Sunday mornings. Um, oh, mama, that thing's legit. Uh, this like, I feel like we should be in a photo shoot right now, the wind blowing on her. Uh this is, this, he is a senior pastor of, here at River Oak Church, and so he gets to speak to a lot of your parents, um, and tell them uh, what they're doing wrong, so that's a good thing, that's cool, um, so anyway, if y'all will listen, uh, he has some really cool things for y'all today, so enjoy it. Thanks,
1: man.
0: What's up guys, what's up, what's up, yeah. my neighbor over
1: here, what's up guys, All right, look. how you guys doing, you guys doing well, yeah? Give the band a round of applause. You guys did an awesome job. Awesome job. And you know the words, the words of that song that we were just singing, Faithful You Are, and Faithful You Will Ever Be, is really the story of my testimony. What I want to do tonight is kind of share a little bit of just my testimony. Something I've a lot of things I've never really shared on a Sunday morning. I'd kind of like to share with you guys. Uh, Tonight, a little bit of my story. Some of you kind of know my story a little bit. I've been the pastor here for 11 years. I became the pastor of River Oak Church in 2008, uh, right about the time when this building was built. And so I've been here since 2008. I have a wife, Amber, my son Tristan. Some of y'all saw him interrupting worship, but my son Tristan's back there. And it's been, oh, he's right there. What's up, dude? Silly, my bad, dude. So, you know, it is a blessing to be a part of this church. What God's doing in the life of River Oak, what God's doing in the life of this student ministry is an amazing thing. And I, I pray that you guys realize that, that this is a special thing, what God is doing in the midst of your youth group, of building relationships and growing you guys in the Lord. And, and there's foundations that are being laid that you guys can build upon. And, and part of my story is that I'm very thankful for the fact that I grew up in church. My dad's a pastor. You know, when I was a kid, I had a drug problem, major drug problem. I was drugged to church every Sunday, whether I wanted to go or not. That's always right. I get it, get it, get it. So whether I wanted to go or not, obviously, my dad's the preacher. There's no, hey, dad, I'm not going to church today because I want to sleep in. There was none of that. There was no, hey, dad, I got an AAU game today on Sunday morning. I can't go to church. There was none of that. And I'm thankful for that now. At the time as a kid, I was not thankful for that that I had to be at church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. I was saved at the age of seven uh, at a youth event, as a matter of fact. My dad led me to the Lord. And I know without a shadow of doubt that the Lord saved my heart at that. But at the age of seven, you don't have a lot of life struggles at the age of seven. And so as I began to grow in my life, I began to see, okay, how does my relationship with Christ match up with the real world? How does my relationship with Christ match up with my struggles in middle school? And my struggles in high school and my struggles with my identity and my purpose and, and my value. And what I'm thankful for is that truth was spoken into my life in settings like this. Many times where I didn't want to hear it, I was sitting out there with you with my buddies, somebody would be on the stage and I would do everything I could to act like I wasn't listening. Because I didn't want to hear that because I'm the type of kid, you can tell me the stove is hot, but guess what I got to go do? I got to go touch the stove. And so as a kid growing up, you know, my dad would open God's word, we would read the Bible and he would say, listen, God has given you a blueprint for life, guidelines for life. But as a kid, I bought into, or as a teenager, I bought into a lie that maybe the abundant life, right? John 10, says, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more of what? Abundantly. And so I began to think, well, maybe an abundant life can be found a little bit in Jesus and a little bit in the world. And where it got me was in sports. I was a basketball. I loved playing basketball, that was my thing. I had a dream to play in college, but what happened was basketball became my identity, my purpose, my value. Became my God is what happened. What began to happen, I went to Greenbrier Christian Academy in the mid-90s, graduated in 96 from Greenbrier. I went and played basketball at a small college called Chowan College. Anybody ever heard of Chowan College? Murfreesboro, North Carolina, Very the metropolis of Murfreesboro. We had one McDonald's, we had one gas station, And when I got there the first day, they said, we're going to the mall, and this this school is an hour and a half away out in the middle of the country. And I said, well, what mall are you going to? Oh, we're going to to Greenbrier Mall. I'm like, why are you going to Greenbrier Mall an hour and a half? They said, that's the closest mall that we have to our (laughs) campus. So we were out in the boonies, okay? Went my freshman year and played there, and it was rough. I got there, and the first week, uh, we did our physicals, we weighed in, and our coach came to us and kind of met with us individually, and he looked at me, and he said, Heath, in order for you to play on my team, you've got to lose 30 pounds before the season starts. And I'm like, well, the season starts in three months. You know, unless I'm really sick, there ain't no way I'm going to lose 30 pounds. Well, he just kind of looked at me with this stare that put the fear of God in me, to be honest with you. So what happened was we began to start conditioning, many of you know what that is in, in, in sports where you're just running suicides and all that fun stuff, and when we finished the first night, he dismissed the team, and as I was walking off, by the way, I threw up three times that night before this moment, he grabbed me, and he said, Heath, you're not done. And I said, excuse me? He said, no, you and me, we're gonna go an extra 20 minutes every night, just you and I, after the conditioning session. So what would happen is he would dismiss the team and this guy, those of you who may know, I don't know if you, Bobby Knight uh, was a coach back in the, he was a a coach that would just, how can I say it? He was not a believer and so he would put combinations to words that I would never even heard of before, okay? And so one on one, he would call me fat boy, but plug in some other names there, and he would run me for 20 minutes every night. I'd go back to my dorm room and I'd cry. Because I'm like, man, I can't do this. And the Lord just really gave me strength in that season of my life. And I got really close with the Lord in that season. Three months, I lost 30 pounds. First day of practice, made the varsity team because we had a varsity and a JV. I made the varsity team. First day of practice, we did two hours. I went up for a layup at the end. A kid came behind me and undercut me. And when I fell, I put my hand down and I tore everything in my thumb tore ligaments, tendons. I could take my thumb and bend it down to my arm right there and hold it and not feel anything because I tore all the nerves. So the trainer came to me and said, Heath, unfortunately you're gonna be out for the rest of the year. I was devastated. Like God, why would you let this happen, right? I mean, you're the one that gave me strength to get through three months of something that was very, why would you allow this to happen? What I learned in that moment is a lot of times we don't know why God allows things to happen in the present. But many times as you continue to grow and walk the Lord, you're able to look back and go, okay, now I see it. In the moment, I didn't see that. Now I do. The next year I transferred to Old Dominion and was a walk-on. Does anybody know what a walk-on is? Anybody know what a walk-on is? A walk-on means you're not a scholarship player. A walk-on means you have to try out for the team. A walk-on means you're a practice dummy is basically what. You're you're a little bit above the, the managers of the team. You're handing out water bottles and towels to the team. And so I, I got there and I remember thinking, Lord, this is, an, this is an amazing thing that you would allow me. And I knew it was the Lord because I was not good enough to be on that team. And I knew that this was God working in my life and I recognized that. And so once again, what I saw in my walk with Christ is there were times that I was faithful when Jesus was number one in my life. And there were times when other things would find its place into the center of my heart that wasn't Jesus. Faithful you are, even when we're unfaithful, and that's the story of my testimony, the attributes of God that he pursues, that his grace, that his mercy covers us, that's what happened. Got to Old Dominion, I recognized that God had done this, I rededicated my life to the Lord. I went before my father's church, at Kempstil Baptist Church, at 19, I walked the aisle, and I stood before that congregation, and I said, you know what, I've not been living for Jesus, and I wanna rededicate my life to the Lord, at 19, I did. What began to happen, Once again, as I began to continue to walk and and live my life, things had a tendency to find its place back to where Christ should be. And the reason for that, and I shared this last night, I remember sitting in a youth setting one time, a youth pastor saying, you're never idle in your walk with the Lord. He said, you're either moving forward or you're drifting. You're never just still. You know, sometimes we think, well, I can take a break, right? I don't have to surrender today. I don't have to read God's Word. I don't have to pray. I don't have to do those things. You're never idle. So what I began to see is that if I wasn't intentional and engaging in my walk with the Lord, there was a natural drift. And then all of a sudden, I'd find myself over here in the world going, how did I get here? Well, that began to happen. Well, I remember when I got to ODU, one of the assistant coaches was interviewed because they were happy because a local kid made the basketball team at ODU. And they did an article in the paper and, and, I, and they interviewed one of the assistant coaches and the assistant coach said, well, it's great that we have Heath on the team but he has to come to understand that he'll never get playing time. He said that in an article. I cut that article out and I put it on my wall. And for the next four years, I was determined to be a walk-on who would get playing time, who would letter, who would get enough time on the court to get my name in the program at the end of the year. At the end of the year, you only get your name in the program if you play a certain amount of minutes. So all of a sudden, success started coming a little bit. Let's put some of these pictures on there. I want to show you what what happened in my life. There was a drift that began to happen. So I started having success a little bit, and I started thinking to myself, okay, maybe fulfillment can be found in something other than Jesus. Maybe my life in Christ can be, okay, 80%, but maybe this other stuff over here can bring me fulfillment. I bought into that. And that's a lie of the enemy, and that's what the world is telling you guys, that fulfillment can come in the things of this world, and that's a lie. I thought that if I could achieve this dream, it would do for me only what Christ could do for me. So what happened is I began to get a little bit of success, go to the next picture, I thought this was interesting. Odu may have three-point prayers answered, but they would always put this spiritual thing because my dad was a pastor. And so, anytime they did an article, they would throw something in there. I think that's funny. Go to the next one. So, this is an interesting story. It was a big deal to get on the team poster. If you got on the team poster, that was a big deal. My senior year, I got on the team poster. And I remember walking to the bookstore that day, and it was up. And there was this cute girl in the bookstore. And I walked up to her. I was like, hey, do you ever go to any basketball games or anything like that? And we had our first scrimmage that night. It was a blue-white game. A blue-white game what is blue-white game? It's when you scrimmage one another. There's no other team. It's basically, you got 12 guys on the team, so you have six guys. You have six guys, five play at one time, so only one dude's on the bench. Are right? You see what I'm saying? 12 guys, but the same team playing each other. I walked up to her. I was like, do you ever go to any basketball games? She's like, no. I'm like, well, look, here's a team poster. I said, it's got the schedule. Look at the schedule. Oh. Who's that guy on the team poster? She was not impressed at all. She was like, yeah, great. Get out of my face. All right, so go to the next one. So this is the one right here. My senior year, I was getting success. My walk with the Lord got pushed to the side. And once again, I bought into this lie that I could find my life in something other than Jesus. I could find fulfillment and joy what I was noticing is that things that I thought was going to bring joy and happiness and fulfillment in my life apart from Christ was doing the opposite. It was the weirdest thing. That as things started to happen, what I thought it would do for me was not doing for me. It was in December. I had a great game. I, they put this, I was living out my dream. I scored 15 points. I had five threes against Kansas State. And they did this big article. And I remember the next morning, I went out that night, I celebrated with our, our, our teammates and all this stuff. And I woke up the next morning And I looked at that article, and I started crying. And it was almost as if I felt the Lord say, is this doing for you what you thought it would do for you? I mean, here I was, the morning after that, this is the morning that article came out right there. I'm sitting there looking at it. And I'm miserable, because Christ isn't first in my life. And what I began to see is the Lord saying, Keith, everything else is temporary. Do you not realize that everything else, anything you put there, a girlfriend, academics, athletics, can be taken just like that. Family, but what sustains, what is faithful? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God broke me down. And so what happened was in those next three months, God began to chase after me. I went through some hardships toward the end of that year. I got really sick my senior year. For two weeks, I was out. Uh, Things didn't go well towards the end of the year. Our coach got fired. I graduated, and now it came to this point of, okay, what next? And I felt a calling. It was the weirdest thing. My dad's a pastor, but if you would have asked me as a kid growing up, you can put that picture. I'm tired of looking at that picture. If you would have asked me growing up, are you going to be a preacher when you grow up? I would get mad at people. Because they would say, oh, Pastor Kelly, your son, Heath, is he going to be a preacher? Well, they didn't think I was. Sean, my older brother, was the good one. I was the bad one. And so they would always just assume that Sean was going to be the preacher, not me. But sometimes they would say, hey, Heath, you going to... And I'd say, absolutely not. And I'd do it like with this, like it was just this arrogance of, I'm not going to be a preacher. Graduated in June. Two weeks later, met Amber, waiting tables at a restaurant at the oceanfront. God was doing a work in her heart, my now wife. And I remember one night at a dumpster, taking the trash out at the end of work, saying to her, the weirdest thing. I said, I feel like God's calling me to preach. She was like, what does that mean? Like calling, you like, like on your phone? I'm like, no, no, I'm on my phone. But I feel this, I feel this draw to share Christ with people. And I'm not a big fan of school. Anybody in here a big fan of school? I'm not a big fan of school. I knew that going into ministry meant I had to go back to school. But let me tell you what happened. I think for the first time I fully surrendered. And the word surrender is something that has stuck with me to this day. Because my worst enemy in my whole life, with my walk with Christ, guess what? It's not other people. Guess who it is? It's me. Because at the core of my nature, I'm selfish. Just like you are. That's the core of our sinful. We're self centered. That's why a child, three years old, two years old, you don't have to teach them to say mine, like that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. You don't have to teach a child to lie, it comes naturally, it's their sinful nature. They're self-centered, they're selfish. Listen, that's the core of our sin. But it wasn't until surrendering that all of a sudden joy, what I thought would bring me joy didn't bring me joy, it was Christ that brought me joy. And so here I was in a place that I thought, no, I will never be there. I just came from a place that I always dreamed of, and it didn't do for me what I thought it would do for me, but now here I am in this place that is a raging storm that I'm like, I gotta go back to school, I'm gonna be a preacher, I'm gonna stand, and it was all these uncertainties, but for the first time, there was joy in my heart because I knew I laid it down. I knew I wasn't fighting against the Lord. I knew it wasn't, okay, I, I'm going to do my thing Monday through Thursday, and God, I'll give you Friday through Sunday. No, he said, I want you, I want all of you. And the first sermon I ever preached is this passage right here. I'm just going to read it very quickly tonight, and it's John 15. It's funny. Uh, I prepared a 30-minute sermon. Okay, well, I don't know if this was the way you did. I prepared a 30-minute sermon, I got up there and preached for 10 minutes, <laughs> first time I ever preached. I walked off the stage and my dad was like, is that it? I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. But this was this passage. He says, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine breast. Let me go down to verse four. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Here it is. For without me, you can do nothing. Let me jump down to verse nine. As the Father has loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. Here it is, ten, eleven. 11. Listen to this, I'm gonna close. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now here's Jesus speaking of joy. Now think about this. Christ, as Isaiah describes him, a man full of suffering and transgressions are our transgressions laid upon him without sin, but without a doubt the most joyful person ever to walk upon the face of the earth. Why? because at all times he was 100% surrendered to the will of the Father and to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So when we put ourselves in that same position, right? Lord, my life is yours. Wherever you wanna take it, wherever you wanna go, I'm not gonna fight it, I wanna lay it down. I'm gonna surrender it to you. And listen, that's a battle. That's a battle because there are gonna be times where you're gonna say, no, I want this, but the Lord's gonna say, no, I have this for you. The question is when you come to that moment Which way do you go? And as I look at this, I see Jesus looking upon his disciples saying that my joy may remain in you. And in many ways he's speaking, there's prophecy, I believe, here of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking of the Spirit of God that will come upon them that will give them joy in their lives. I tell you guys this. You guys are being lied to every day in this world as young people. There's a philosophy of the world that says what? Fulfillment can be found in things, money, popularity, fame. There's no joy in that. Joy and peace is when you lay your life down before Christ and say, Lord, you died for me. How can I not live for you? And let me tell you something, man. He takes you on an adventure that will absolutely rock your world. The fact that I'm standing here today, the fact that I get to stand on this stage every Sunday is a miracle. But the surrender didn't end that one dime when I committed to ministry. A walk with Christ is what? A daily surrender before the Lord. And so as I look at, you know, what Chris was telling me about the attributes of God, I see every one of these in my testimony. A God who sees and pursues. A God who is faithful even when we're not. A God who forgives and redeems, who is unlimited, who is abundant. As we were driving here tonight, we heard that Hillsong song. Uh, That's weird to say. Hillsong song. Hillsong song. Anyway. Touch the sky. Many of you know that song. There's that one line. As we were pulling in, I heard it, and I just wrote it down. I found my life. Does anybody know the next part? Yeah. What? When I laid it down. Say, say it loud. When I, laid it down. I found my life. Say it. When I laid it down. Say it together now. When I found my life, when I laid, I laid it down. Think about that. Think about that. Let me tell you something. Most Christians miss the will of God. Listen to me real quick. I'm going to close. I meet with people in my office on a weekly basis who would give so much to come back and be in the shoes where you are, to come back to this season of life and to say, you know what, I would have laid it down. I would have laid it down, but I fought it and I did my thing and I, 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 I went my way and because of that, I'm here. And so I say to you guys, man, God has amazing things in store for you. But it requires a heart. First of all, that knows them. A heart that seeks them. And a heart that says what? My life is yours because I lay it down. I'm going to ask you to pray with me if you would. Bow your heads. Our heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you tonight. And Lord, I thank you for this group. And Lord, I believe that nothing is random, that there's no coincidences here, Lord, that you brought us here tonight. Every single one of us. Each person is here for a reason. And, Lord, I don't know the details of the struggles right now in the hearts and lives of these young people, but you do. But, Lord, I know what it's like to be in this season of life, and I know what it's like to struggle with my identity and my purpose and my value and to measure ourselves to the world and to others. Lord, forgive us for that. Lord, may our identity and value be found in you, that the God of this universe would pursue us, die for us, and seek to live in us and use us for his glory. And so, Lord, tonight I pray that whatever battles these young people are in, that, Lord, you would empower them. Lord, you would give them courage and boldness to follow you, even when everyone else is going the other way. Lord, give them courage and boldness to not settle for anything other than your best for their lives, to not settle to allow your word to guide them. Lord, we find our lives when we lay it down. That's the hardest thing to do. And so, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit each day, Lord, may you allow us to just surrender. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for salvation. And I pray, Lord, if there's one here tonight who has never turned from their sins and by faith called upon the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would do that work in their hearts, only you can do. For the believers in this room, Lord, I know that just as we say we have a God who loves us and has a plan for us, we also know, according to your word, we have an enemy who hates us and who seeks to destroy us. But by the power, Lord, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, may the victory be won each day in our lives. May Christ be glorified in it all. We pray it and we ask it. And all of God's people said,